You know, our first couple episodes, we were able to come on here after a Carolina win. So this is a first for us as a show. But the Talking Heels podcast is kind of in like a state of depression after this weekend where the UNC football program lost to Virginia as they were a 23 and a half point favorite. Virginia came into the game one in five and their only win came against William and Mary. And of course, we're going to be here to talk about it because we promised you last week we'd be here when we're losing. That's what we're here for. The guy to my right, who is actually in attendance, and I can't wait to hear live from him, his take on the whole matter, Mr. Jordan Falls, and I'm Nick Delahanty. Jordan, how are you recuperating from that? Uh, Still working through it. I think it's a peek through this podcast. Uh, Maybe a little bit of raining. I don't know. It Depression. I don't know. That was depressing. That was just awful. And you kind of got the sense pregame and when they were warming up, I think some other people said that, that they just looked flat. And the crowd wasn't there. It was fall break. Student section was probably the worst I've seen it in Matt Brown's tenure, 2.0. And to have a 6-0 football team and top 10 in the country, that's really sad that we couldn't find four or 5,000 students on campus to show up for a football game. I saw people on uh, Twitter X that were trying to sell their student tickets, like, our, from the fans to the coaches to the players, nobody showed up for Virginia. And everybody thought we was going to walk in there and just beat them because they hadn't beat an FBS team in more than a calendar year. It was really disappointing. And there are so many elements of this that, we, that we're going to go into. And, of course, we're going to talk about the, the element in Chapel Hill. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the game in itself. But one thing that's very concerning is on X, when you look before the game and Beat writers are saying they look flat. That's a little concerning to say the least. And Mac Brown talked about it all week about not eating the poisonous cheese. And yeah, we all thought, you know, it, you joke around about it and, you know, it's it's a real thing. But you got to give Tony Elliott and his crew a ton of credit because the Carolina Tar Heels were sleepwalking and they took full advantage. Yeah. Uh, coming off a of bye week, Virginia changed things up clearly on film from what they have been doing. Um, we heard Gene Chizik talk last week. They were they were being prepared for both quarterbacks. We knew that was a problem for Carolina in the past is preparing for two quarterbacks. Virginia didn't use two quarterbacks, I don't think at all. They might have subbed in one or twice there, but I think Musket was the primary uh, QB, and he ran for 66 yards, and they were balanced on the run game. And they had two weeks to prepare, and they took App State's game plan and worked a little bit better than App State did, really. Uh, and that's the only game Carolina struggled in, and – I think you're going to see that blueprint going forward, and we'll get into Georgia Tech later on a little bit. But I think that's what teams are going to start to do. Absolutely. And once you have that blueprint, you're going to see teams following. Now, there are so many elements you could start with this game. And there's frustration, and, and you and I both have it. And there's so much we want to talk about. But I want to start on the offensive side of the ball because this Carolina team has been very good at scoring points all year long. And in this game, they struggled. Mightily, and we talked about it last week. For those of you who don't want to, if you don't want to believe us, go back and listen to our show. We said, got to get the the running game going early because why? Virginia struggles at stopping the run. Marion Hampton had a hundred yards. It seemed like all those yards were in the first half. He goes into the second half and only has what five touches total. And Drake May, he did not get help. Let's call a spade a spade. Other than Tez Walker, there was not much help get for the Tar Heel star quarterback. Nate McCollum had his worst game of his college career. Such a reliable target, four drops, that's just unacceptable. But there were times where it felt, and you said it, and I don't want to take the credit for it because you're the one who said it. It felt like they were trying to pad Drake May's Heisman stats. And let's be honest, there were a bunch of throws that Drake May made made that looked really bad. 100%. this literally was Georgia Tech from last year. This was coming into a game against a weaker opponent that not only the players, but the coaches thought, we can just go out there, let's use this as a moment to build Drake's Heisman campaign, build his stats. They did it last year, late November, and then it just plummeted, and that's when it started to spiral last year. And it kind of got that feeling early in this game. They came out throwing the football. I don't know why. Other than the pad trip, there's no other explanation. Virginia came into this game. I, I'd have to go back and look. 
because they're they've obviously went up now in rankings because we failed to run the ball, but they were allowing like 185 or 190 yards on the ground a game, like 127th out of 130th in the country. Why would you not run the ball? And Hampton had 197 by himself against a Miami team that was number two in the country. Number two in the country and you against Miami, and then you don't run the ball against 127 or whatever they were. It, it And we're going to skip this at half right here just because it relates to Hampton. They came out and up 17-14, got the ball, and they went run for 18, Amari Hampton, run for five, Drake, include pass, run for 10, Drake, run for eight, Hampton, a pass for 13, and run for three for a touchdown for Drake. That first drive, they averaged 8.8 yards per carry to go 24-14. Hampton got three carries on that drive and got two the rest of the game. It's it's incredible to think about. And, you know, one thing that I thought about right away was if this was last year and you didn't have that lead back, I can understand you trying to put some more um, of the burden on Drake May's arm. I, I get that. But Marion Hampton's been phenomenal. He's had a couple of breakout games. Why not ride the guy? The guy could have went for 200 yards if you kept going to him. Not saying you have to give him the ball every play. I'm not naive. I know that you have to pass the ball. You have to do certain things. But on first down, for him not to touch the ball on what felt like 70% of their offensive drives, that's a crime. Yeah. 19 carries for 112 yards and 47 yards after contact. He was running through Virginia's defense, and they had no answer. None. And we went to him five times in the second half and twice in the final 16-ish minutes, 17-ish minutes, maybe more than that. I, I, I have no answer. I, and, we, and we've heard all year, and we heard especially early in the year, is Chip Lindsey and offense motto is run the damn ball. Why did you not run the ball? Why? There's no answer. There's two things I want to bring up about that, that motto, okay? The first thing, and, and Mac Brown said it, and you brought the attention to me about this. Mac Brown said that during offensive drives, he really doesn't talk to his offensive coordinator. Why? Because they only have a couple of seconds to get plays off. Okay, that's cool. Whatever. But the defense was on the field for 37 minutes, and you had a 15-minute halftime. Nobody thought to say, run the damn ball. Nobody. And that wasn't in your game plan to start the game, knowing that they were so bad at running the ball. My first five offensive plays would have been running the ball. I wouldn't have cared. The second thing, and, I, and I'm going to throw it back to you to get your opinion on both. But what is up with the drives where Hampton doesn't even see the field? I get they have a lot of faith in British Brooks. I understand that. But he's a one or two play guy, and you go right back to Hampton. If Hampton doesn't touch the field, that's a failure of a drive, in my opinion. Here's my – or from my perspective, this is why Brooks is on the field. Brooks is on the field because I think Brooks is a little bit better of a pass blocker than Hampton. And that's fine. So they put Brooks on the field to throw the football. And I I don't know. Why are we trying to pad Drake's stats against one and five Virginia? Win the game. Just win the game. And they had chances. And we'll get to the defense. And the defense didn't have a great game, but it wasn't their fault. The offense. Do, do you know what the longest offensive possession was we had on based on time? I would say it's got to be low because they, they run that fast-paced offense, which I still don't understand, especially when you're up by 10 points and you're trying to run down the field. But what was it? So so the longest for the game was three minutes and 24 seconds. That's the longest. That's embarrassing. Drive. That's the longest drive we had in the whole game. These are our drives. The first half is – sad half's worse than the first half. The first half, <laughs> 56 seconds, 229, 112, 123, 102, 252. 53 seconds and 58 seconds to end the half. The second half is almost worse. 225, 154, the 324 drive, 56 seconds, 138, and 46 seconds to end the game. Now, I don't know how you feel about the fast-paced offense. And again, I'm one that there are times where I like to see them push the tempo, but you also have to understand how the game is going. And I get that. When they slow the offense down, the offense looks bad. But you have to have a solution for that. I'm fine with fast-paced offense, especially if you're going to score and take advantage of uh, the defense either being misaligned or uh, 
you're outmatching them personnel-wise and you want to go up-tempo to keep them from subbing or catch them subbing and catch 12 guys on the field, which we did one time, and instead of taking a shot, we ran a halfback draw. Drake, And that's on Drake. He's got to know Aaron Rodgers is probably one of the best quarterbacks in the game on catching defenses, either offsides or too many men on the field. When they're offside, take a shot. You can't hurt yourself. And we didn't do it. Going back to the time of possession, Virginia had seven drives of three minutes or longer, including a five-minute and 39 drive. Seven. We have one. And we talked about it all the time, about how the Tar Heels were bad in the red zone under Phil Longo. But now we're starting to get deeper into Chip Lindsey's era with the team, and his red zone numbers are actually worse. Is this a personnel issue? Is this a coaching issue? What is this? You almost you got two different staffs having the same problem. So you lean personnel, but how are you gonna say it's personnel when you have Drake May at quarterback? And last year you had Josh Downs and Antoine Green. This year you have Tez Walker and Nate McCullum, and you have the talent. I don't know if they're overthinking it. Is it a Matt Brown problem that being inconsistent in the red zone? They were good early. They were awful against Syracuse, 207, I think. I don't know what their red zone number was against Miami. And then against Virginia, had the ball twice late and didn't score. But McCullum got 11 targets for two catches. Like, I think he had five drops or four. It could have been eight. Uh, there were so many drop passes. Drake, Drake didn't play great, but there were so many. If, if there's eight catches more than – or eight of those drops go away, we probably win that game. And uh, – PFF graded him as I, was, I said this to you earlier today. Graded him as like one of the highest quarterbacks on the week because of his he made big time throws and they take into consideration drops. I I don't know if I believe that fully, but his percentage has gone way down. He was seventy two percent in the first five games and he's forty nine percent over the last two. And nothing against Drake, you know, no, I'm very not- high on him. I'm very high on him as a player and a person and, and what he's done for the program, but. He made some very bad throws in that game that you were like, that is not Drake May. Like, was he sick? Was there something going on? Like, did his girlfriend break up with him before the game? When they showed him on camera, he looked distraught the entire game. It wasn't just a, like a fourth quarter thing. It was the entire game. And I'm like, what is wrong? Like, he's usually upbeat and confident. And like, he just did not look in sorts of any which way. Well, and I think part of this play call, I think there toward the end, we ran a uh, and they've done this some throughout the years. They'll roll, they'll move the pocket and roll him out. And they do that last week, but they waited until the fourth quarter. They hadn't done it the whole game. And then they roll him out and roll him right into a sack. And uh, so we'll skip to the fourth quarter. Defense makes a, or so they get the, they get the ball. Defense well, before we get to the fourth quarter, we got to talk about the first drive of the second half. First drive of the second half. The, for the offense, for the well, the JJ Jones uh, should have been touchdown. Yeah, the whole that holding was. Uh, I didn't know you can't tackle people in football. Like Kamari Morales tackled him. He I didn't even touch him. He tackled him, and he didn't lay on him. He didn't grab the jersey. I. Uh, this that was two, brutal. This is two weeks in the row. The and I'm not the officials didn't lose this game, but two weeks in a row the officiating has been suspect. We got another illegal hands to the face called. That's three in two weeks. That's never called. And I don't think we've seen it all year. And we've seen three in two weeks. So something's got to change there. But uh, penalties have all of a sudden, we went from being a disciplined football team that only had 48 penalties, penalty yards a game to have 134 against Miami or 148 against Miami and uh, wherever it was against Virginia. It's incredible. It's like it's it's been two different teams in terms of discipline, and and then you see a loss like that. But you wanted to jump into the fourth quarter, and and that's where, you know, I mean, I think okay, we so, all just start to get. Yeah, I mean, everything annoyed. starts going. To, I mean, okay, so you, so they got the, they forced the fumble, Virginia going in, they forced the fumble, and which go, was a miracle in itself. Yeah, because that could <laughs> game away right there with like four minutes to go. Uh, so they forced the fumble. They go 60 yards in two plays. Two great throws from Drake. The receiver actually held on the ball, and they get down to the 20. And then you go sack, and then three straight incompletions to turn over on downs. With 312 left, it's questionable and debate in high 2020. 
You got three timeouts. Fourth and 12, do you kick the field goal? I said that. I thought I, I would have taken the points, and I would have put the defense back on the field. They didn't care about having the defense on the field for the whole entire game. Why not give them another drive and tell them, look, we need you to get three and out. Like, let's go. This is your time. Like, I get making a one-possession game a one-possession game. Like, there's the debate there. And if Virginia goes down and scores, which there was enough time, there wasn't enough time left that they were going to score. They would have killed the clock. But if Virginia goes down and scores, you're still only an eight-point game. So, whatever. You got three timeouts. If you're not going to kick the field goal, which they didn't, it was third and 12. You know you're going for a fourth down. Get half of it. Yeah. Make it make it manageable. Run it with Hampton. Throw a screen. Throw a slant. Get half of it. Instead, they go deep bomb, deep bomb. And, and it's from the 20, so it's not like you have a ton of space to play with. It, everything gets compressed down there, and I, I would like to see them go for it there. They were 4-15 on third and fourth down combined. And then – Going back, one of those four downs was fourth and six at midfield in a tie game with seven minutes to go in the first half. Again, same scenario. If you know you're going for it on fourth down, it's third and six. Get half of it. Make it third. Make it fourth and three. Fourth and two. Don't. I mean, uh, the whole offensive game plan felt exactly like Georgia Tech last year, and it showed. Heck, I would have been comfortable giving. Hampton the ball on third and six and thinking that he could get the first down. Yeah. He was averaging six yards of carry and averaged eight yards of carry in that half. Uh, exactly. So if you do he, it that way, if you look at the math, the chances are he was going to get either close to the first down or he's going to get the first down. He, there's so many. We could talk about Hampton the whole, the whole podcast. Like, just run the damn ball. There was two play calls that I would have called on third and 12, just going back a little bit. I would have gave a draw to Hampton. I would have told him, get as many yards as you can. Or I would have ran a, a design slant to Tez Walker. Why? Because he was burning his coverage the entire game. They were holding his jersey. If they just even tug on the jersey, automatic first down. You get another clean slate. So why not take that shot? Stop trying to throw the ball into the end zone for the, for the gusto. It's not like you had five seconds left and you had a score. You had time to do it. I don't get that. The play going in the red zone is very questionable. And you have to look at it. The special teams didn't do much to help the defense either. Yeah, we'll McGinnis, get, they let we'll, – we'll I, could kick a, we'll I, I, I could kick a 17-yard punt. Like, give me a football. I'll go outside right now. I'll kick a 17-yard punt. Yeah, that's on my that's on my list too. But And then on the, on the final drive of the game, the defense once again makes a stand. I mean, we were asking the whole game to make a stand because for the offense. And – the offense had one more chance, just like Georgia State last year had one more chance, and they get in the midfield, and then uh, you can't protect you can't protect Drake, and he gets hit, throws it, interception, game over. Uh, I I get not running the ball in the final drive. There's 45. There's a minute to go. You got no timeouts. You have to throw it then. But with even with the four minutes to go, they and they and they did go 60 yards in two plays on two passes. Fine, but you could have been in four-man offense at that point and still ran some extended run plays. I, I don't know. I have no answer for the offense. I, none. There's just there's no answers to it because you're sitting there and you're like, why didn't they focus more on the run? That was one of the big things that Chip Lindsey continues to say: run the damn ball. They wear the shirts. They think they're all cute, but when it came to push comes to shove. You're playing one of the worst-ranked rush defenses in the country, and you shy away from the running game. Why? Especially when they had the 10-point lead. It made right. no sense whatsoever to keep throwing the ball. Now, Grant, they, they had the 10-point lead, and then Virginia got the ball back and went down and scored to cut three. But you're still up three. Run the ball, eat some clock, go down and get another touchdown. Uh, and surely they knew what Virginia was one of the worst run defenses in the country. We knew. Everybody talked about it. We're not the only show that talked about it. Every show, every person knew Virginia was terrible at running the ball. And I, I think the guy in front of me at the game thought I was crazy because I was, like, I was screaming to run the damn ball. And he was like – and then they would complete, like, a four-yard pass. And he's like, oh, yeah, like, the pass is working. I'm, and he kept looking at me like, I'm crazy. I'm like, dude, they are the worst run defense in the country or one of. They cannot stop the run. And they would run it for 
15 on a Hampton and be like, oh, look, that works? Like, I, I, I probably, the guy in front of me probably could have asked me to be to leave the session because I was, I was living. Run the ball. And another thing that, you know, as we're talking about um, game plan and all that, the fans don't control when the players come out flat. And, and that's something that I, I can't stand when they blame the fans for a loss. Like, you, you hear Mac Brown, all oh, the fans were terrible. They, they weren't there. Yes, you're 100% right. There should have been a better performance from the fans. There should have been. Uh, you're a top 10 team. You're undefeated. I get that. But a couple of things. One, fall break. So most of your kids are going to go home or, or whatever. Family obligations. You get that weekend to kind of decompress. It is what it is. Number two, you, you're telling me that the fans are the reason why you lost the game, not the game plan, not the chip Lindsay uh, inability to run the damn football. Not the fact that the defense was on the field for 37 minutes and looked made musket look like Tim Tebow in his prime. Like not the fact that on fourth down, every time they went for it on fourth down play action, nobody knew if they were going play action except for us. Like everybody was like, they're going play action. Not, not one player on the defense picked up a receiver. Not one. Uh, my only problem with the fans is that I get the students from fall break. My only problem with the fans is that you were a top 10 team and you had people trying to sell tickets at face value or more than face value. And I get you on a little bit more, a little bit of your investment back or what you paid for the tickets. These tickets were on Saturday March for 20 bucks a piece. If you can't go and nobody's, nobody's a buyer ticket. Don't just be selfish and hold on to it. Find, find a, find somebody to use them. Somebody yeah, give them away. Give them away. Like, if you're not going to sell them at all, give them away. Like, nobody's buying them. Give them away. Put somebody in the seats that can go to their first game. And that's my only issue I have with the fans. When you're sitting there, you got people trying to sell tickets at face value, 60, 70 bucks a piece, or even 50, and you can go on StubHub or SeatGeek and get them for 20. Uh, nobody's going to buy them. And just sell them for 20 each. I, I guess you want a little bit of your investment back. I'm not saying you have to give them away, but our fans could have done a better job and showed up. I get the students from fall break. That that's disappointing. But um, again, it's one in five Virginia. You shouldn't have to rely on the crowd to power you through a game against one in five Virginia. Against Miami, yeah, the crowd was energetic and behind you, and it probably made a difference. But you shouldn't need it to make a difference against Virginia. Um, no, and and another thing with the whole tickets is think about this as. We all know sports tickets are atrocious in the way they're sold, in the way that they're processed, everything. If you're a fan of the of the program and you want to go to a game and, and you wait last minute to go to a game and, and now Carolina wins their first six games, I'm sorry, but if if you're a regular person and you're not making millions of dollars, you're not paying 50 to $60 extra for a ticket. And that's what these ticket prices are going for. I'll give you a good example. Yes, it's Duke. It's a whole different ball game. But three weeks ago, I found tickets on Ticketmaster for the Duke Carolina game, second row from the field. They were $120 a piece. I went on the the day before the Virginia game, and those same tickets were $250 a piece. Mm-hmm. Who, you know, at, at some point you got to look at it and say, Do you blame the people for not paying that price to come watch you play? And that's why your stadiums are empty. That's why it's all over. It's not right. just a Carolina problem. It's a it's a world problem. Well, and and the the teams they Carolina called it a sellout, and that it probably was a sellout in their book. They probably got rid of all their tickets in house. They probably give away some of those to corporate and things like that. That don't call it a sellout if you have. Uh, and they they even reported as a ninety nine percent capacity, and it wasn't even close. It might have been no 70, way. It might have been seventy percent, and that's a whole different topic. Uh, uh, we've ran about the offense and the fans, uh, the defense. I I don't know where to start on the defense. <laughs> so there, there's a couple of things I got to say about the defense. Number one, I feel bad for them because anytime you're on the field for 37 minutes, you're gassed. They were gassed at the 20-minute mark. Like, you could just tell. But their inability to get a stop on third down was the reason why they were on the field so long. So, yes, blame the offense all you want. Blame the special teams for the bad field position. But at the end of the day, defense has to make a stop. Virginia did what Carolina should have done, run the ball, pound it down their throat, and continue to do it. And, again, they they brought up Cedric Gray, 18 tackles, big whoop. He was on the field for how many plays? Uh, you know, somebody's going to make a tackle. Oh, 
And, I think 80, 82 or 83 plays. Yeah. And, and Kamon Rucker had more. Rucker was on the field for 87 snaps. 87. Put in perspective, he was on the field for 38 against Syracuse. Think about that. It's double. It's thinking double. Like, that's that in itself. Like, yeah, Gray had a good individual performance, but he had it didn't yeah, translate getting, to anything. They were getting to the second level, of course. Like, yeah. The the front four didn't make the stop. So what's the net who's the next guy behind him? Cedric Gray. That's why he led the country or led power fives in tackles last year is because nobody up front could get a tackle. So you don't want your linebackers or your safeties to be leading tacklers. That means that people are getting by the front four. Uh and, and I mentioned earlier they had abscess game plan. It's almost identical. I don't know. If oh you yeah, hundred percent. I don't know if you looked at the stats like compared to my yeah, it's like it's 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 uncanny. It's, actually, it's unreal. It's, it's actually a little bit more. Virginia ran the ball a little bit more. Uh, Virginia app ran the ball for two hundred nineteen yards and forty four attempts. Virginia ran the ball fifty four times for two twenty eight. Four yards. I mean, I mean, Tony Elliott's a smart guy. Let's remember he was a coach under Dabo Sweeney at Clemson. He was the offense coordinator there. He knows what he's doing and. Well, he did what Mac Brown should have done. He was like, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. That's all I if I was Mac Brown, that's all I would have been telling Chip Lindsay. Run the ball, run the ball, stop that, run the ball, please run they, the ball. They took and the ab game went over time, so there's a little bit there's a few more snaps, but not many actually. Uh app threw the ball, app was balanced, 44 runs, 43 passes. Virginia took that and took 10 passes off and added to the runs, and they threw for 30. They they and they were balanced two twenty eight on the ground two eight in the air and we had no answer and when you run the ball fifty four times that leads to time of possession that's why they had a five minute thirty nine drive and that's why they won the time of possession thirty seven to twenty three app's time of possession was thirty four the only difference is that Carolina got the ball last in the app game and found a way to they had a chance to win in regulation and missed the field goal make I'm in, in field range. But then they found a way to win overtime, and they didn't find a way to win Saturday night, and they had two chances on the final drive in the final four minutes. They had plenty of chances to win this game, and it, and it goes down as a, a loss that stings because you're now 6-0. and Mac Brown talked about it a lot, that national relevancy. We have it. We're in the top 10. And then you throw up a clunker like that. And what's going to lead to our next discussion, and we, we're on opposite sides of the spectrum here, and – you're optimistic and I love it, but is it is there something to play for for this Carolina team? And do can you trust this team moving Here, forward? Here's my problem with Matt Brown and talking about the top 10. Stop talking about the rankings. Why does it matter? Rankings are for fans and people like us who want to talk about it. Rankings, nobody inside that locker room or inside that program should be looking at what the number is beside that beside their name on Saturdays or Monday morning when the rankings come out, or Sunday morning. Nobody should care what you're ranked if you're in that program. A coach, a player, an equipment manager, a trainer, nobody. Worry about winning the game. Ask Hubert Davis. Nobody cares. The Yeah, Hubert Davis, preseason number one last year, does not matter. It is the opinion of a group, of collection of media, and the coaches poll. Nobody cares if you're top ten other than the media. And the fans. And, yeah, it's fun to talk about. And they were top ten. And two years ago, they were preseason top ten. They And he said they didn't earn anything. And, that, and that's right. And they had earned their way to number ten. I truly believe they earned their way to number ten this year. They 6-0. and They beat every power five opponent. They played by ten. They survived a scare against App State. And everybody has a scare. I, I think I even tweeted something out uh, over the weekend. Washington, 15-7 to against Arizona or Arizona State. Oklahoma, two-point win over UCF. Um, Texas needed a goal line stand to beat Houston. Teams have scares against lesser opponents. The great ones and the national contenders find ways to survive those games when they can. Carolina didn't find a way to survive this game. And talking about the poison cheese, I feel like he talked it up so much, it did the reverse effect that he wanted it to do. At there's so much to go here. I, I do think there's still some to play for, and uh, they're six and one. The, if we go back to look at our preseason expectations, 
and the goals. Nobody even thought Koshwell playoff was even a possibility. And there was the the goal was to get back to Charlotte to have a chance at ACC championship. And that is still in play right now. Now you can't let Virginia beat you twice. And that's what that's what they did last year when they lost to Georgia Tech. They beat them twice. They they lost to NC State. And then that just snowballed. Obviously ran to a really good Clemson team in the ACC championship. And then Oregon's not a bad team, but uh, uh, how do you keep this? They, they've said that this team is different. And we were starting to believe, the fans were starting to believe this team was different. Well, now you lost to Virginia. So now you're in the same boat you were last year and the year before and the last six times you've lost as a double-digit favorite. And the only way to prove you're, you're truly different and you've learned from your past is don't, let, don't lose to Georgia Tech Saturday because that – would be at least learning from last year. And Georgia Tech is, there's 130 teams in the country that are eligible in rankings, and Georgia Tech is 129th in run defense. Run the damn ball. They give up 227 yards on the ground. Hampton, 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 no matter what. So, I, I think that the worst part about this is that you beat South Carolina opening night, and you're like, okay, that's a nice win. Yeah, the Gamecock season hasn't gone as they planned, but at the time, that's a borderline top 25 team. You survived the scare against App State. You beat Minnesota. Now you're sitting at 6-0 coming off that win against Miami, and as a fan and as a media member, it's hard not to think what this team could accomplish, especially given that you know they put themselves in a really good position to get to that ACC title game. And then what we, like you said, nobody thought about the college football playoff, but it was starting to become a reality that they could be even in that conversation. And let's be honest, who wouldn't want that, right? If you're a program that wants to be at national relevance, I think you and I would give an arm and a leg for that. And then exactly. And then you think that they're going to come in and they see that in mind and they lose a game as they did to Virginia not playing well at all, being outcoached, being outplayed. It's just so disappointing, I think, to the point where you, you're you kind of scared to believe that they could turn it around based on the past history, the way last year ended, the Sam Howell era. Like, the list goes on and on. And the narrative for this program has been good start, bad finish. And you just have to think, like, is that what they're destined for? Or is this team different? They've been trying to sell us on this team's different. But if this team was different, do they really lose to a 1-5 in five Virginia team? That's the scary thing. My personal opinion on it is, yes, you are 100% right. There is still hope they can make the ACC title game with one loss or even two. They could lose another game and make that title game if everything goes well. But my expectation was when you're 6-0, and I wanted them to go in unbeaten or with one loss to that Florida State game where that game gives you a chance to get into the big dance. And, and that Virginia loss just crushed that. And I, I just don't know where to go from there. Yeah, and how do you keep it from happening? I mean, I just mentioned six times in the last three years they've lost as a double-digit favorite. Three times at home. And, and, one, and a few of those you can kind of point to and say, oh, well, the 2020 FSU game, they're – at, at Florida State and probably shouldn't have been ranked and favored as much as they were. And uh, FSU at home in 2021, Florida State isn't an 18-point dog to Carolina. No, not at all. And even in 2021, and, and that wasn't even a great year for the Tarles. And But, I mean, last year, Georgia Tech, 21-point favorite to Georgia State last year. 23-and-a-half this year. How do you keep it from happening? And I, I don't know that – I don't have the answer, but I would think Matt Brown gets paid to have the answer, so I would hope he has the answer. But uh, I don't think the AC, I don't think the season's over because the goal was to make the ACC championship game and to win the ACC championship. Uh, obviously, it's going to hurt more if you do end up going eleven and one, making the title game, and pulling an upset at Florida State. Then you're twelve and one, and you're like, "What could have been?" And that's where it hurts. Here's the other thing. Going back to Virginia, to the Virginia game, you mentioned special teams earlier. <laughs> the, pun, the, the punting was so bad. Do you know the 
have you seen the yard difference between us? And yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so there's 17 total yards per punt difference. And there's 11 punts. It comes out to about 185, 188 yards difference in punt yards. That's almost two football fields. We get we gave Virginia two football fields of field position, including a 16 yard punt that gave them a field goal to tie the game to that half. Hey, it was 17. Get it right. <laughs> I think they corrected it because I went back and looked today and Did it's at 16. I think they corrected it. Wow. I, I'm not 100 sure unless I went 16, 17. You're telling me that they didn't know last Wednesday or Thursday they didn't have a punter. And he and he did all right against Miami, but he had to punt. He had to punt six times against Miami or five times. Five somebody. There's somebody on our campus that can punt more than 17 yards a punt, or 33 yards a punt. You can find a punter. Drake May had a great punt against Minnesota. Put him out there. They'll think we're faking it. It at least gives you did, the option. Did you see the Chiefs had Patrick Mahomes as their backup because their punter was hurt? I saw like, that. If, if yeah. they could do it with Patrick Mahomes, then we could do it with Drake May. And the other thing is, and this ain't, and, and this ain't a knock on Noel Burnett. He's been, he's been great from field goal range, but missing Liam Boyd on kickoffs killed us. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Burnett Liam, doesn't have the leg strength like Boyd does. Let's Liam call me to speak. Kicking pushbacks. He went nine for nine against Miami, I think, or nine for nine against Syracuse. And I don't think Boyd had, but maybe one. And it was on like a swift kick or a low line drive. Uh, so that killed us. And that's all I'm gonna say about Virginia. Find a punter. Defense needs to be ready again. Defense just needs to do something and run the damn ball this weekend. But oh, I mean, okay, go back to ACC championship. So you've said they don't lose one more, or you think they'll lose one more? Listen, before I even get to okay, before I want to table that for one minute because I want to go back to what we were talking about how they can't win with a big spread. Think about Mac Brown's coaching career. Mm-hmm. Okay, other than the year where he had Vince Young. And Vince Young had arguably the greatest performance in college football national championship history. The rest of his career has been an utter kind of disappointment in terms of that. Yeah, they went to the title game with Colt McCoy, lost to Alabama, but, you know. McCoy got hurt in that game, too. Yeah, McCoy got hurt. But in the same token, like, everything else, like, it's been kind of lackluster. There's been a couple of good years here and there, but. Is Mac Brown the problem here? Because let's be real, the the last couple of spreads that you mentioned, not all the same players are there, not all the same coaches are there, but the one consistent is Mac. And I love Mac, and I'm not trying to throw shade at him. You know that, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm not ready to say it's Mac yet. And and spreads are something again for the fans. The coaches probably don't. The coaches don't look at. The players shouldn't look at. They probably. Oh do. no, Mac Brown knew the spread because he mentioned oh, it in his pregame interview on the CW. He said, yeah. You know, we're favored very highly in the spread. Like, I was like, oh, boy, here we go. Okay, well, they should. They should. Again, coaches and players should tune out anything that the public has. The spread is Vegas, and Vegas's goal is to make money. And Carolina coming off a big win against Miami, what they do, they're like, oh, Virginia's one and five. So, and I don't know the percentages. I didn't even look. But I'm sure the public was on Carolina. And so, Vegas made a killing. And I, I'm very I, upset I didn't bet on that game because I was going to take Georgia the by, with, the, with the spread. The guy behind me sits down at the game. And he's like, yeah, I took Carolina minus 23. I'm like, you're nuts. Like you're nuts. I knew when the, <laughs> I knew the sad game of the year when Carolina was a 19 point fair against half. That was too high. Oh yeah. They've covered, Way they've too covered, high. They've covered in every other game when they've had lower spreads, but anything high it, and it doesn't matter if you cover or not. Win. I don't care if you cover or not. Win the game. But Vegas's goal is to make money, and they make money when they have 50-50 splits. Against the spread, I believe I saw this stat correctly. In Matt Brown 2.0, Carolina's 30-28 and 28 against the spread. Vegas loves that. Loves it. Oh, yeah. And I just – and they're double-digit favorite this week. 11.5-point favorite, which makes no sense. Which On the be- road – on the road. In a place like, where they've struggled. Two and ten in the last 12 trips to Atlanta. One of those was a 21-point comeback, the largest in school history during the 2015 season. So they're now 21 nothing there. So it very well could have been one and eleven in the last 12. They have struggled dramatically at, at, at Georgia Tech. And it, it's not even close. And they're 0-2 against Georgia Tech the last two years. 
Matt, uh, Sam Howell's last year, they lost 45-22 in Georgia, at Georgia Tech. That was the year the, uh, our defense came off and said, oh, we weren't prepared for Jeff Sims to be the quarterback. How were you not prepared? Just And that, that was old, good old Jay Baby. Me, me, you were talking about that the other day. And then and then last year, the upset, the same thing that we talked about the whole game, it was Virginia again. And moving on Georgia Tech, it's basically – they are not good. They don't really have any strong sets. I mean, two seats. But they're set to beat Carolina. Oh, yeah. They're talented. <laughs> they are talented. They beat Miami. They're really fast. They have athletes. But statistically, they're 40% conversion on third downs. They pass for 260 in the air and 170 on the ground. They are, they're less than 50% on third down. you got to get off the field. Virginia went a combined 10 of 21 on third and fourth down. You can't let that happen against Georgia Tech if you don't want to let it beat you again. And I, and you bet your ass they're going to use the same game plan that Virginia used. And they only have to implement it. It's pretty much is their game plan. They just have more talent. Now, you brought up losses before I cut you off to go back to the Mac Brown comment. Yeah. You were saying about – reiterate that because I, I kind of forgot. Okay, so I'm saying that the ACC championship still in play. You're saying maybe not. They're they're sent, so we're four and one or three and one right now. Louisville has a loss, and Duke has a loss. Who else? Yes. Do you think? Do you think Carolina wins out? And if not, who's the loss to? Okay, so I'm gonna. You could ask me this question again next week because right now I I don't think they're gonna go. I don't think they're gonna win out. I really don't. And. You know what? I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope they could bounce back from this, and I hope that they go into the ACC title game, you know, with one loss. But history has shown you cannot trust them. And, yeah, it's easy to say Georgia Tech might be that loss, uh, you know, a disappointing back-to-back year. But, you know, Clemson might be that game. Okay. That game scares me because, exactly. yes, it isn't your typical – Clemson game. They're not your typical Clemson team, but let's remember this is the same group that smacked us last year in the ACC title game. There's not much difference from last year's team to this year's team. They, If Cade Klubnik decides to actually listen to Dabo, then I think we have a problem. <laughs> is Clemson spiraling? Are they fixing to start spiraling? Do they lose the state Saturday? Listen, the best thing that could happen for Mac Brown and the Tar Heels is if Dabo and his crew go spiraling out of control to the point where there's no coming back from it. So if you're Carolina, you got to root for NC State in this one. All right. So Clemson, if they beat, okay. So in my opinion, I I have Clemson, I have Clemson as the second toughest game on Carolina's schedule remaining. Duke's got to be the toughest. I think Duke's the toughest game remaining, and I think you get the benefit that you get them at home. Yeah, I I think the same thing. And senior day, likely Drake's last game in Keenan. I, I don't see Carolina losing to Duke at home on senior day. I don't see him losing this weekend. We'll get into predictions later. But I, And the I, other thing, the, the other thing about that, what else is that weekend? Basketball kicks off. Uh, Bingo. So yeah. Chapel Hill is going to be buzzing. There's going to oh, be. Well, we just talked about ticket prices, and ticket prices are based on supply and demand, and the demand is high for that game. I think they're up to 250 apiece or. 275 a piece for that game. And so I, I think the crowd, I, I don't see them losing to Duke. I, I think they bounce back against Georgia Tech because I do think this team is different. I, I truly think this team is different. And so even if you see them losing one more to Clemson, I think the Clemson game is the only game they could lose. Uh, if they if they don't spiral out of control starting this weekend. Keep it yeah. I don't think State is good enough to beat them this year. And I might regret saying that, and State's had our number the last few years. But I think Clemson's the only game they could possibly lose. And if they do, they drop, they finish the year 6-2. and two. This is kind of like a question that has to be tabled after this Georgia Tech game because this, this game is their biggest game of the season. We talked about it with Miami. This is it. Like, they cannot throw up a clunker in this one. You, you can't. You have to win this game. You have to. And you know what? If they win this game, I'll feel a little more confident about them moving forward than I do right now. But based on what we know right now, the the definite facts, I can't trust them yet. And that's the scary thing. So if okay, so I'm gonna just continue here for a minute. So if they if they <laughs> lose Clemson, they're six and two. 
Okay. Louisville and Duke both have a loss. One of them is yeah. picking up a, one of them is picking up a loss this weekend to drop the two losses. If it, I think we're better off if it's Louisville, because then Louisville has two losses, and then you get yeah to, because we don't play Louisville, yeah, we don't play Louisville, and then you get the head to head on Duke if you beat them. So, and then Louisville still has to play Miami. So, if Louisville drops to three losses, and even if Louisville drops to two losses, if we tie with Louisville, I'm pretty sure the tiebreaker favors Carolina right now. Because of and strength of schedule, right? Strength of schedule. And so Louisville could potentially fall to three losses and then they're done. And then all you got is Duke and you got the head to head. I think this team, I think the ACC championship is still in play with another with another loss. Uh, I also have confidence that as hard as as hard as it is to have confidence following last weekend's performance, I think they have learned from last year. They do bounce back against Georgia Tech and they fix. And you got a get right get right game against Campbell, FCS. You just if you need to get Drake throwing and get him back in that seventy five percent window of complete passes, that's the game to do it against. And that's the game you can pass stats if you need to, just to get him a little healthy. Campbell's not terrible, but they're they're not going to come into Chapel Hill and beat Carolina. They're just not. Campbell should be a game where Drake plays the first half, and by the end of the third quarter, he's in sweatpants on the sideline. Right, and you see the backups and Connor Harrell and all that good stuff. And uh, FSU's going to the title game is who's going to join them. And there's four teams with one loss right now that could join them. And it's Louisville, Carolina, Duke, and Virginia Tech. And I don't see Virginia Tech in there. Yeah, I don't either. I, I, I mean, they got Syracuse, Louisville, Boston College, and NC State left. And I guess they could bat their way in and make a run. But I still think Carolina would win the Carolina could still possibly win the tiebreaker there too. I Carolina's best scenario is to win out, but there's there's a path to lose a game and still win it. I don't think there's a path if you lose to Duke. If you yeah, no, no way. If you beat Duke and then that Clemson game is the game you lose, then cool. And then I I think if you would have told everybody preseason, hey, you're ten and two and playing Florida State for the ACC championship, I think everybody will signed up. Now. I didn't say what the two losses were, but I, I think I think everybody will have been fine with that. I think the worst part about it is they could win out and they could go into that title game and have a chance, but if they win it, they're not getting in the playoff. Mm-hmm. But and that's the thing that stinks about it. And and that's and this is where I don't like college football from the standpoint of it feels like one loss beats you, and no other sports like that. And it's the rare season. Doesn't kill you if you lose the game, and it feels like college football. Unless you're one of four teams named Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, or <laughs> yeah, one loss and you're done. And oh yeah, uh, and I feel like that's where moving this 12 team playoff will be helpful. And of course, it's going to come the year after we have Dre May at quarterback. But um, yeah, I thought you said he was coming back. I would love if Dre came back. I I would. You said we'd give an arm and a leg to be in the college football playoff conversation. I'd do the same thing for Drake to come back another year. Um, I mean, Amari Hampton's only a sophomore. Tez Walker has two years of eligibility left. Nate McCollum has two years. Kobe Pacer has two. That team, the offense, we stacked if Drake came back. And uh, but it is what it is. I, he's not coming back. Uh, it's on Connor Harrell season, baby. We've uh we've put Virginia to bed at this point. I I think we've branded as much as we can on Virginia, and it's uh it's time to move on to Saturday night and Bobby Dodd, eight p.m. ACC Network, eleven and a half point favorite. Run the ball. What what you what's your prediction? Oh, <laughs> all right. Give me Carolina thirty-one, Georgia Tech twenty-four. I thought you were gonna say twenty-eight. <laughs> no, I if it's that close, I'm calling Mac Brown personally and I'm being like, bro, this can't happen. I I do last said earlier, they said this team was different. If they were different, they wouldn't have had a game like they had against Georgia Tech last year. But they did. But here's the chance to prove you are different. And bounce back, you don't start to stumble and fall on your face down the stretch. Last year they finished 0-4. 
you can't do that again this year. Not with Drake May at quarterback. Not with the talent we have. Georgia Tech is good. They beat Miami. They have talent. They have athleticism. They have speed. But they are not fundamentally good in the on paper. And they lose the time of possession battle. I've already mentioned they are 129th out of 130 in run, run defense. If you have any hope of keeping the season alive, and you're not going to regain the fan base's faith on one game, and not, and certainly not in Georgia Tech. But win this game, beat Campbell, and you're going to Duke at eight and one, and with three games left, with a chance to finish eleven to one and at least save the year. And I, I think it starts this weekend. And I'm, a, I'm gonna go thirty-eight seventeen heels. They cover. oh, you got them covering. Wow, heels cover thirty-eight seventeen. The offense gets on track. The defense makes a stand. I could see George Set scoring leg and making it 38-24, but uh they they the defenses tend tended to do that where they give up a late score and the offense goes in that four-man offense and can't get a first down. But uh I think they're gonna learn from their mistake last week. We've heard all week in the press conferences they should have run the ball more or Marion should have got the ball more. You gotta get the ball to your playmakers. Well, stop talking about it, do it, run the damn ball. Exactly. And as they're going to try to do it, we're going to c- continue to do our thing here on the Talking Heels podcast, episode nine already. Can you believe that? We're going to be at episode 10 next week. So and we we're more eight. than that because of the special ones. Hey, and and uh, we've covered football all this, but uh, basketball exhibition Friday night. Oh, I can't wait. It's basketball season, baby. I mean, I can't say that. Jordan will get mad at me if I say that. It's still football season. <laughs> One loss is not in, has not ended the season. Okay, so if it's two losses, will you say basketball season? Depends on who the losses to. If it's the Georgia, Georgia Tech, if it's Georgia Tech, next week's show will be all basketball, right? Oh, if they lose to Georgia Tech, they're done. But <laughs> I, I, I don't see them losing to Georgia Tech. I just don't. I don't either. But let's hope we're right. Hopefully, next week we'll have a show where we're talking about a win instead of a brutal loss. Once again, the guy to my right, Jordan Falls. I'm Nick Delahanty. This has been another episode of the Talking Hills Podcast. Make sure you follow and subscribe on wherever you get your, your podcast, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. It's there for you. As always, go Heels, and let's hope for a better weekend. Yeah, go Heels. Run the ball.